You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, uh, there was a musical that I'm sure you'd remember, Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, actually, I think yeah, who in the hell like, do you think you are? Yeah, that's right. I think it's like uh, 50 years since that was uh, first previous. Yeah, because I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's yeah. just exactly that. And there is a song in it, the apostles sing. And let me demonstrate it for you. Always dreamed that I'd be an apostle. Knew that I would make it if I tried. <laughs> then when we retire, we can write the Gospels so they'll all think about us when we've died. Oh, nicely done, John. You like that, huh? Yeah. I, I think about that song when I think about congressmen and state legislators. Always dream that I would be a congressman. <laughs> you know, these are the guys... They, they ran for student government when they were in high school, and then they do the path. They like clerk. That's a good path. They became a lawyer, or for a lot of them on a state level, they became an insurance man. They, I think there's a disproportionate number of insurance people <laughs> uh, in, in there. And the reason I bring this all up is once they become a congressman, they will do anything to make certain that they stay that. It was hard the first time, well, it was hard not just the first time running, but it was hard to work your way up, do the things in the party that you needed to to do. And so, doggone it, I wanna stay this. And someday, maybe I won't be able to write a memoir or a gospel, but it'll be worthwhile. Maybe there's another explanation for why they are willing to totally prostrate themselves, totally abandon any sense of principles or dignity, and vote against a censure of Paul Gosar. I can't think of any other reason except that they wanted to be a possible. Well, you know, John, it's so funny you say that because I always think to myself, that must be the best job in the world because these people fight so hard to keep it. And I, that's, um, they love living in D.C. You know, they love people kissing their ass because that does happen. I'm not, I don't know about the state legislatures. I don't think that's quite as much. But, you know, that for Congress, you have the aides and people are coming and asking you for stuff and you're getting wined and dined by, you know, lobbyists. And, and you live a life for many people that I think they couldn't live back in Omaha. So... It, to go on trips. I'm getting yeah. a trip to Turkey because I'm going to look at things, I guess. Yeah, you're going to go on a junket, and we don't all yes. get to go on junkets. So that's, I. it has to be because what doesn't seem to motivate a lot of folks is public service. If we're defining that as doing what's best for your constituents, for your you know, the state that you come from, the whole federal government. And I don't mean doing what's best based on my policy preferences. You have your own policy preferences. 
but still sometimes they act against it appears to me and i'm not just talking about republicans here but it seems we're in a phase of the, of, the, of our history in which the republicans are really struggling to be good public public servants and i think the gosar vote is such a great example of it because in a country that is overrun with guns where there's so much violence and that's not even political violence just violence why would you encourage and condone more political violence what would prompt a person to do that except that they want to make sure they don't lose their job which is more important than sending a message to paul gosar and all the wackos like this is not acceptable we don't threaten our colleagues Okay, I'll throw another theory at you here. I'm going to totally abandon my own I want to be an apostle theory and see if this explains the Republicans in particular. We are facing, we as a nation, the prospect of being tampered by a combination of brown people, communists, socialists, some liberals, uh, <laughs> people who want to destroy your children through secret testing or teaching methods that go on uh, in the schools. People who want to confiscate income, they call it taxes, dating. Uh, and against this wave of people of color, we stand the last bulwark to protect America, and I, I want to give you something even more specific, because I think it fits a lot of the people of this age. This is only one part of the country, but maybe it's illustrative. There were a lot of people who uh, grew up living on the south side of Chicago, uh, east side of Cleveland, the suburb of East Cleveland, various places that in the 60s, in the parlance at the time, the neighborhoods turned. Uh, you know, black people bought houses, the area was integrated, and it was never the same. They had to flee to, in Ohio, to Lake County, Page uh, or Will, Will County, and the area was destroyed in their mind. And it was the most formative moment of their life. They had to leave the old parish behind. They went on, of course to a pretty plush life in uh, Hinsdale, Illinois, but that's the way they, they saw it. I wonder if that's not the image that they have of the United States. If states successfully integrates in some sense and the government gets taken over by people of color, then uh, it'll be destroyed the same way our old parish was destroyed. And we as Republicans, we have to do anything we can, including gerrymandering, including voting restrictions, to stand up against that evil. Hmm. Well, um, that's like a wide um, historical sociological um, analysis, but I think there's a, there's a real truth there because people don't like to change from what they know. And if you see others because of their race or their ethnicity, their religion as others, and that the cultures cannot 
um, live side by side or I can't protect my culture, if I let you into my space, then it makes sense and I'm going to work hard to make sure I'm not going to let you in. The thing that these folks misunderstand is that American culture, however we define that to be, is so powerful that when people move here or move into, you know, out of poverty, out of that kind of life where you can't worry about anything, that people become Americanized. You know that expression. I have this experience in my own life because, as people know, my husband is an immigrant. And I've watched the power of the American idea and American culture. And part of that is middle class values, American middle class values. And that's what begins to define somebody's um, operation of, you know, like modus operandi. No, I think that people who are trying to hold on so hard to the old ways, to the real America, don't understand the power of the of integrating people into the wider American culture. So their fears of I don't want brown people, black people, gay people, people that aren't like me is so misplaced because it doesn't take too long for any of those folks. You know, it's a great example of that, John, actually, is the LGBTQ community. You're so afraid, right, of if we give these folks their rights. But, you know, people are people, right? It's like they want a job. They want to have a family. Look at Petey Buttigieg, right? He's married, got a couple kids. <laughs> he works for the government. And he's just a regular person. He's not an other. So, I mean, it's not exactly how I thought this conversation was, was going to go, but it is a good one because people are fighting for something they don't even need to fight for. You know, if you let... I guess my point is, if you give everyone opportunities to succeed, they'll all be Americans. People want to be Americans. They want to live what we consider like a normal American life, regardless of their culture, regardless if they wear a hijab, regardless if they eat, you know, chachuca or whatever they eat. Still, the American values are very powerful. And actually, for the Republicans, a lot of immigrants, and now the polling is starting to show a lot of African-Americans, as they move into a more middle-class uh, economic, stable in a economic um, situation, are attracted to Repu traditional Republican values. That's the irony, isn't it? It is. I'm going to give you a third theory. Put those other two aside, okay? The okay. third theory is that there's a lot of the United States, certainly rural areas, certainly small towns, but also exurbs and suburbs that the only time they see a city, the only time they see Chicago is on the television and they're convinced that it is a raging, uh, violent place where people are being killed, uh, children are being raised wrong, uh, sex, liquor, drugs, all of these things are going on. And the people supporting the people giving the people, the, the residents of the city's money are Democrats and liberals. And if you uh, don't stand up against them, 
if you don't stand up against infrastructure bills, among other things, you are going to turn the whole country into that kind of a mess. And I, you know, I know we say things like, gee, everybody ought to like an infrastructure bill. I wonder if you live in enough of a rural area, if you don't hear infrastructure and think urban and think city. And so the Paul Gosars, uh, the uh, Lauren Boberts, all of these kind of people, Madison, Madison Cauley, maybe uh, is the man's name. They cynically appeal to large swatches of people who say, oh, man, don't turn this into an urban country, despite the fact that it is. Yeah, well, you know, and the thing is, that, that might be true. Kind of the, like, missing point of it is, is that rural areas have their share of crime, too. I mean, look what happened in uh, uh, Waukesha in Wisconsin yesterday, right? That guy took out that whole parade. And that was not a terrorist or any kind of crime. It was just, I don't you know, no, I don't think they've released the guy who did it, but, you know, he was running away from the cops because he was in a knife fight, takes down half a Christmas parade. You know what I mean? Like, oh, everywhere you live, there's crazy people, and the more guns you have, the more crazy stuff you're going to have. But I think that that urban, you know, the rural-urban divide is so huge in the country, and part of it is, you know, never the twain shall meet, like, who who spends much time with urban people, who spends much time with rural people. And the other thing is something that's always a puzzle to me is this like inferiority complex of people thinking the elites are looking down on them and think they're dumb. And I always think only, you can only, how do I say this? You can only think, I think you're dumb if you think you're dumb. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you don't like the orchestra, so what? Just because I do. That doesn't mean I think you're dumb because you don't like the orchestra. I don't like, um, you know, NASCAR. And does that make, do I think that you think I'm dumb because I don't like NASCAR? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just so judgy. And um, I, we use this word earlier in our, um, our production meeting. We're talking about grace. You know, it's like, Maybe the country would be well served by respecting other people's opinion and showing some grace and saying, that's your life. That's how you choose to live. I respect that. I get why people don't want to go to big cities. I was in New York last week and that's exhausting, right? There's so many people there. It's so crowded. It's the sensory overload, but I like it doesn't mean I think you're stupid because you don't. You know what I mean? So so a little forgiveness and grace, instead of, to go back to where we started on the Gosar thing, instead of hating AOC so much because she's a spunky girl with some progressive ideas and trying to kill her, you go, ah, that's her. She's from New York. I get it. Those are her people. But vilifying all the time, you know, demonizing all the time people who are different than you, that's very unhealthy for a democracy that requires respect and to use, that's Peggy Noonan's word, to use grace in the public sphere. I think there is something to that. And I'd like to talk about grace in particular, but that's going to have to be on our next episode. I did want to check before we leave. You don't think people who don't like the orchestra? <laughs> I think, <laughs> I, you're not going to be being to say that, are you? <laughs> 
Talk to you later. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.